Over the past few years, industries across the world's major economies have been laying out their plans to achieve net zero carbon emissions. Energy, transport, heavy industry, agriculture and fashion are all major contributors to global emissions that are looking to reduce their impact. And one common element of their plans to get to net zero is electrification. Electric cars, vehicles and machines, all powered by an electrical grid run on renewable resources, is how most industries view their net zero future. But to have a grid run on renewable resources and electrify industries that are currently big fossil fuel consumers will require technological innovation and a lot of raw materials. And that means more responsible, advanced and net zero allied mining. Metals like nickel, lithium, cobalt are all needed to make batteries. Copper, aluminium and rare earth elements are used in wind turbines, motors, charging stations and electrical infrastructure. And demand for all of these is increasing. Achieving net zero, therefore, is going to require a lot more mining. But it's not the same industry your great-grandparents worked in. Today's mining is sustainable, employing the most advanced safety and environmental technologies and it continuously decarbonised as it becomes a close and inseparable ally of net zero. In the next couple of decades or so, we need to extract more or produce more copper than we have produced in our entire history as a species. But the mining industry is itself responsible for between 4 and 7% of total global greenhouse gas emissions. Some estimates have it as high as 10% when steel production is included within these mining emissions. A net-zero world therefore needs mining to decarbonize. The bottom line is it, it is an emitter. It's a, it's a, it's a contributor to, to the, the, the climate change uh, crisis that we have. So the industry itself needs to do something about that and decarbonize our own operations and the way that we, we produce the minerals and metals for human society to, to function as we do today. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Jane Sophia. In this episode, we've partnered with SNC Lavalin to learn exactly how the mining industry is attempting to decarbonise. There are 50 minerals considered critical by the US Geological Survey, many of which, along with base metals such as iron and copper, are vital to creating the technology that will help us reach net zero. Iron accounts for over 93% of all metal mining production. Minerals such as lithium, nickel and cobalt are currently mined at much lower rates and this year only around 100,000 tonnes of lithium will be mined. But production is expected to increase by up to 400% by 2040. With similar forecasts for cobalt and nickel, the world is potentially headed for a shortfall in supply. That is, unless mining can accelerate production, which it needs to do without increasing emissions, if we want to achieve the internationally agreed targets to reduce global warming and prevent catastrophic climate change. Typically, it takes over 10 years from discovery of a, of, a, of a mineral deposit to actually be producing the metal out of it, just in terms of both, um, you know, going through the studies to determine that it's economically viable, but then also the permitting process and that sort of thing. It takes over 10 years to do that. So if we decide we need more copper in 10 years, that's a problem we have right now, not 10 years from now. 
Mark Adams is the Vice President of Technology at SNC-Lavalin's Mining and Metallurgy. Another step in the process of setting up a mine is doing an environmental impact assessment, something that's been standard practice for the last 20 years. Maybe 20 years ago, we started doing environmental impact assessment, for which not only we were looking at operational conditions, but construction conditions. So obviously, you need to do assumptions, you need to select whatever equipment is going to be needed, what processes are going to be needed. This is Jean-Luc Allard, the Manager for Acoustics, Air Quality and Climate Change for SNC-Lavalin in Canada. But the environmental impact assessments didn't always include a mine's CO2 emissions. 20 years ago, we were doing it for all contaminants except CO2 or methane. Now, we, we just added greenhouse gas to the list of contaminants that need to be assessed for operational activities and construction activities. So we were used to uh, do those assumptions many, many, many years ago. So that's fairly easy for us to do the greenhouse gas estimate. An audit of CO2 emissions can also be done on an already active mine, and the emissions can be compared with others in the industry. There's some great organizations out there that have mapped what the carbon emissions per ton of material uh, processed or per, per ton of material produced. We've mapped out these metrics across the whole industry. So you can look at where your mind sits compared to your peers. You know, am I, am I a... Is it, am I a high emitter per ton produced or per ton processed, or am I a low emitter? And you can use that benchmark to kind of say, wow, I'm, I'm really high. We should probably start implementing even smaller programs. And once you add those up, you know, there's something to be said. You, you implement 10 smaller programs and you've made a pretty big impact on, on your emissions. But for some areas in mining, the technology simply doesn't exist yet to reduce carbon emissions. And time is running out to both increase mining production while also cutting the industry's carbon emissions. Mining emits carbon at many different stages of production, from the diesel equipment used in the extraction process, to energy-intensive machines used to process the rock. But the highest proportion of mining's carbon emissions come from the transportation of materials. So in, in uh, mobile equipment and transportation equipment, it's usually diesel powered vehicles. So you think of, you know, the, the massive mining trucks that we sometimes see around with the tires that can be two, three meters high. Those trucks uh, consume a lot of diesel. The issue for the mining industry is the technology for reliable electrical alternatives to diesel powered trucks isn't quite there yet. for these kind of industrial operations that have big vehicles and we can't be charging them every five minutes. So it's the technology around the batteries, but then it's also about the material supply in the batteries. We're looking at even traditional batteries that we're looking at for these applications. They use metals that we've been mining for a long time, but because there's a much higher need for these metals, uh, because there's such a need for battery electric vehicles generally, we just don't have enough supply. So, you know, we hear in the news about companies like Tesla um, or Toyota partnering with actually mining companies or people that own deposits because they want to have first access to these minerals and metals because there's we're just not mining enough of them right now to be able to produce the batteries needed for all the applications that we want to move to electric. 
Mines have to make decisions about which decarbonising options will provide the best return on the considerable investment. We don't have an infinite pool of capital, so mining companies and, and any of our clients and SNC Lavo and ourselves, we need to decide what's the biggest bang for our buck, right? And do things in a in a in an order that we know is going to keep us sustainable, but also reduce emissions over time. The the biggest one is the mobile equipment. That's where we're seeing the majority of our clients really moving forward the fastest. There are a lot of sites that have gone to fully electric vehicles, either through, I mean, the majority of them at this stage have gone um, through trolley assist systems. So the same way that you might see, you know, a tram or a bus running in, in your city center, they're, they're connected to an electric source above the vehicle. We've developed those systems in the mining industry to work for very large trucks as well, where those trucks have batteries, they're connected uh, to an electric system, and um, they, that's how they're powered. I think that uh, we're getting close to having fully battery-powered detached systems uh, in, in trucks and hydrogen-powered trucks. And I think we'll get there in the short term, but that's definitely the biggest area that, that companies are looking at to make a, to make a, a, a big impact. Although the technology for trucks powered by detached battery systems isn't quite there, that hasn't stopped some mines preparing for that future. They are a new graphite, uh, natural graphite mine in Quebec. That's a very interesting client because from the beginning, they wanted to be extremely proactive and they target to be carbon neutral. The Nouveau Monde graphite mine in Quebec wants to be the first open pit mine to be fully electrified. And to achieve it, they already have an agreement in place with Caterpillar to supply fully electrified mining equipment by 2028. So essentially, they are not doing it from scratch. They will test uh, a few of these equipment and their planning is to be from now to 2028, they then want to be fully electrified. Electrified mines connected to the Quebec grid will be able to massively reduce carbon emissions, as over 99% of Quebec's grid is powered by renewable energy. But even at mines in Quebec not attached to the grid, efforts are being made to use less fossil fuels. So mines, I think the first one was in 2014. They installed large wind turbines that generate electricity. Today, some of these mines have... Um, uh, replace fuel oil for at least 10% of their uh, energy needs with uh, wind turbines. And um, the, the potential is probably to go from uh, 0 to 10 to 25%. So the estimate of what mines can do is replacing 25% of their energy needs with wind turbines. Having on-site renewable power generation is clearly another strategy for reducing emissions in areas where the grid has not been decarbonised or connection to the grid is not possible. Another area where emissions can be reduced is during the processing of metals and minerals. So there aren't many industries in the world where you know, they, they put 100 tonnes of something into a, into a dump truck, move it around, pump it, crush it, grind it, uh, refine it in order to produce one tonne of, of what they're seeking to produce. 
you want to produce grains of material that are either entirely desirable or entirely undesirable, such that um, through refining processes, we can send the desirable grains or, or particles in one direction, namely to be refined into metals and the, the tailings or the non-productive uh, portion away for safe storage. Trevor Sparks is the Vice President for Tailings and Water Management at SNC Lavalin, and he's also an expert in mineral processing. So crushing and grinding is, is in a mineral processing flow sheet where the largest energy consumption lies. Uh, but there are opportunities throughout the flow sheet to reduce the, the power consumption. There could be new technologies and processes that could potentially reduce the amount of energy required during the process of crushing and grinding. New pretreatment methods are being tested to make the material easier to break down. If improvements can be made in, in the, the chemical dosing regime there, then it's possible to see you know, really measurable improvements in the recovery of or from, from the process. And indeed, further down, it, the use of flocculants to improve the separation of solids and liquids um, can have a, a, a fairly dramatic impact on you know, the quantity of liquid that needs to be pumped and hence the power consumption. So yes, there are, there are plenty of opportunities for incremental savings. There are even ideas like using microwave technology to help reduce the energy needed. One of the more promising niche innovations is a technology that can sort larger chunks of rock into desirable and undesirable piles before they go through the energy-intensive crushing and grinding processes. It's really a sight to behold. I mean, you have conveyor belts with vast um, uh, collection of rocks and pebbles heading towards the off-ramp. Off they are sensed with cameras, um, often using visual uh, analysis or X-ray, and each individual rock can be sent in one of two directions with a blast of compressed air. So it's really quite something. You, you see this huge quantity of, of rock moving on a conveyor belt. The useful ones are pinged off in one direction with a blast of compressed air, and the non-useful ones continue on their merry way. One of Trevor's other responsibilities is to oversee tailings management. Tailings are the undesirable portion of mined rock, and historically the storage of these have posed environmental and safety concerns. Well, let's focus on copper for the moment. Demand for copper is of the order of, say, 20 million tonnes per year. Copper is present in the earth in pretty small quantities, and indeed, when you find nowadays a rich source of copper, we'll still have less than half a percent of copper in the ore. That 20 million tons of copper, you need to extract a couple of orders of magnitude, let's say, you know, a couple of billion tons of ore in order to produce those 20 million tons. So just to recap, more than 2 billion tons of ore is removed to produce 20 million tons of copper meaning that there's a lot of waste, or as the industry calls it, tailings, left to manage. On top of that, the process requires the addition of uh, you know, huge amounts of water. So at the end of your you know, tonne of copper that's being produced, then you have you know, well over, let's say, 200 tonnes of a mixture of barren or tailings or non-productive ore and water, which needs to be 
stored safely. But now tailings could become part of the solution. That said, some of the tailings, some of the waste that um, remains from those earlier operations is actually richer in useful minerals than many of the the um, new resources that are being opened up. So there is a definite trend towards reprocessing of those tailings in order to extract either the originally sought mineral, so digging into a huge pile of copper tailings and, and producing copper, but also seeking the minerals which form part of our um, future. So rare earth elements, for example, which are critical in, in electrification. Many tailings deposits are comparatively rich in rare earth elements. Reprocessing the tailings from old mines and recycling metals that have already been manufactured and used can be part of the solution. But the scale of mining required means recycling isn't the whole answer to the problem. Even if we recycled 100% of all metal that exists on the surface of the earth, we're not even close to what we need to achieve net zero targets in the future. So recycling is, is a part of it. We need to do better at recycling. That's, that's very important, but it's not going to solve the problem. There are other areas where mines can make small gains on their carbon emissions, like increasing driver training to improve fuel saving, investing in carbon offset programs, or using AI to make the control systems more efficient. Improved control systems, better optimization, uh, the use of machine learning in control algorithms, all of these can have an impact. Another very significant energy or power consumer in, in a mineral process is pumping. There is optimization that can be done in, in a pumping operation by having smarter control, um, smarter use of, of valves um, and better use of natural topography. Mining companies can't just wait until the best solution arrives. They need to take action and implement the solutions available now. Whatever you can do, you should do it. Not only wait for the best solution or use the excuse to um, technology will be better in 10 years or 20 years from now. And I have a good example for that. SNC-Lavalin uh, did um, a carbon sequestration project uh, for a coal power plant in Saskatchewan. And it's uh, 1 million tons of capture of CO2 on a yearly basis. It's even more than that, 1.1 or 1.2 millions. And you still have companies saying, oh, technology is not ready. So the technology is there, the technology is ready. It's costly. Uh, on this, I fully agree. But the more projects you do, the, 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 that you need more projects to bring the cost down of those technologies. And for this, obviously, if you have some... Uh, incentives from governments, it's just going to accelerate everything. Governments are aware of the dangers of not having access to these vital materials and metals, and are taking action to ensure their future supply. In June of 2022, 11 countries signed up to the US-led Minerals Security Partnership. This partnership is built on four pillars to protect the future supply of these crucial minerals. The first is information sharing and cooperation to make sure technology that will improve mining efficiency and reduce emissions are shared within the industry. And a great example of this can be seen with the Charge on Innovation Challenge. Yeah, so the, the Charge on Innovation Challenge is backed by the senior, senior leadership from major mining organisations, BHP, Rio Tinto and Vale. And really they're setting the challenge towards how do we deliver 
this electrification. So it's, it's very much an open source model where I suppose in theory, anybody with a, an idea um, and some innovation, perhaps some intellectual property is, is able to, to contribute to make this move towards electrification in the mining sector and particularly in the haulage element of the mining, the mining industry. So that's quite an exciting challenge that's been laid down. And I do believe that the bulk of the material that will be moved around by the mining sector will be done with electrified vehicles in the next decade or so. The second pillar of the Mineral Security Partnership is creating an investment network, bringing together governments, investment banks, and private mining companies to help create a sustainable supply chain. Public investment is not just about accelerating mining's move to net zero, but also ensuring the supply of these critical minerals can keep up with the increasing demand across all industries. So something happens on the London Metals Exchange and that can have a direct impact on financing of projects. For there to be less focus on today's copper price or the future likely price of gold or palladium or, or lithium, but rather to have a more strategic view and say, yes, we need, we need this quantity of, of lithium, for example, and, and ensure that that happens and will not be affected if there are some wobbles in, in commodity prices along the way. Achieving carbon neutral mining will require investment, not just into future technologies, but also implementing the technology that we have available now. They know how they will be carbon neutral, they are just waiting for a moment or a time at which the, uh, it will be cost effective to go ahead with the solutions or, or any assistance from governments or legislation it is, will make a big difference. So developing the, the investment community with government support in order to sustain those critical supply chains. So there is no doubt that, um, well, there is a need for a greater supply of, of minerals in order to deliver on the net zero future. And delivery of those minerals does require partnership between governments as exists with the Mineral Security Partnership, but then without question, deeper partnerships between government and the industry in order to, to be coordinated in, in this effort. The last two pillars are elevating ESG standards and increasing the role of reusing and recycling. And while government intervention and assistance is important, so is change from within the mining industry. Mark Adams is seeing similarities in how the mining industry tackled safety issues over the last couple of decades to how it's starting to push towards its net zero goals. I would say 20 years ago, we saw a really big push in safety in mining, and it, it was a mindset shift. And now mining generally um, in, in, the, in the Western world is, is one of the safest heavy industries, safer than, than many others. And I think that that same kind of intentional cultural shift is happening right now with climate change and net zero. So absolutely, I think that, you know, as that becomes more and more embedded in the culture, in the industry, I think people are going to start thinking about it naturally when they're implementing any project, you're going to, you're going to consider net zero. What is this project's effect on, on uh, carbon emissions? 
the mining industry is facing a big challenge to increase production to never-before-seen scales, while also reducing the carbon emissions. And those in the industry believe that it is important that people understand how critical a role it has in a low-carbon economy. The number one misconception is that mining is a, a dirty industry and has no part to play in, in, you know, in a decent future. And it could not be further from the truth. So the ultimate misconception is that we should reduce mining towards um, you know, stopping it altogether. Without mining, we will not have copper. Without copper, we will not have a, a net zero future. That's before we start to talk about all of the other dozens of critical minerals that are required. And currently, we aren't projected to meet that demand. So when we project forward, let's just say copper, we can project forward the demand, and then we know what current production levels are, and we know what production will be coming on stream over the coming years. There is an identified gap. So when you look at those charts, they, they, do, they do deviate. So that there is currently an identified shortfall. And this is why the industry needs more support, says Mark. So I think as an industry, the, the biggest challenge we have, the biggest obstacle is actually telling the great stories of how the industry is changing, what we're doing, how we want to contribute to climate change, and really getting the general public on board with their support so that we can develop these uh, deposits in a safe and environmentally conscious way so that we can actually produce the metals and materials needed to get to net zero as a society. And when it comes to working on reducing emissions and increasing production, there is no time to waste. It's not just a tap we can turn on and off. And we know that we need a lot more copper, a lot more nickel, a lot more lithium uh, for, for battery technology and et cetera, et cetera. We know we need all these metals, but we're not doing the work now that we need to do in order to actually have the amount of metals needed to be able to be produced in 10 years and 20 years and that sort of thing. And I think the urgency is the other thing that, you know, really to me is really important to communicate both, you know, that mining does have a role to play and also we need to start work yesterday because the targets that we've set, we need to be working on them now in order to achieve them in 20 years. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and produced by Johnny Dowling, hosted by me, Alex Conacher, co-hosted by Jane Sophia, editing by Bernadette Ballantyne, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young, and our own electrified mining machine is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, SNC Lavalin. Thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. <laughs>